0: Now powerfully speak through Your Word. It was so cool listening to different people just spontaneously lift their voice to You in prayers of thanksgiving and prayers of praise, uh, even as Your Spirit moved through us as we worshipped You. But Lord, we give honor as well to Your Word. Your Word is true, and Your Word is powerful. You said that Your Word, it pierces between spirit and soul. And, Lord, we ask that your word would perform what it wants to perform today, that you would speak to our hearts as a church with this critical, very important word. God, let people hear, not hear Rich up here speaking, but let them hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking your word. And may it resonate in our hearts and help us, God, because we want to obey. We want to do that. Your spirit in us makes us want to do what you want us to do. So, Lord, allow that to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. At the expense of sounding melodramatic, I'm going to tell you that I believe with all my heart that today's subject is so important that it not only will determine whether we walk in God's blessing or under curse, But I believe this word is so important it may determine whether or not Valley View is even in existence in years to come. It's that critical. It's that important. And I know that sounds very melodramatic. You say, you sure, Rich? You sure that it's that powerful? It is that powerful. This is actually the last lesson of Discipleship 202. And we weren't able to get to it. And so I said, well, we'll just do it on a Sunday morning. We'll have to do an abbreviated version because class knows we start at 7. We don't have any worship. We go right into the class. And we don't finish till 8.30 if we're fortunate. And that class said, amen to the fortunate part, right? If we're fortunate, we finish at 8.30. So we're going to be doing an abbreviated version of this, but we're going to hit all the high points of it. Because it's really that important. And I believe that God knew that we weren't going to be able to do it. And that he knew we would be sharing this with the entire church. And I'm actually glad we're doing that because it's that important of a word. And so let's look at the scriptures there. If you would, I'm going to ask you to read with me. Uh, Linda usually reads all the scriptures. She will still be doing that with the rest. There's plenty of them here to read more than usual. More notes than usual, as you can see. Because it is kind of a teaching, a, a class but I'm going to ask you to read with me these Scriptures that are in that boxed area. Let's read these out loud. We won't do the reference. We'll just go ahead and read the Scriptures. Are we ready? Here we go. Live in harmony with one another. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Let's do that again. Because that's powerful Scripture right there. That's powerful Scripture. Let's let the word of God ring out again. Here we go. Live in, in harmony. With one another. Accept one another, then, just as Christ, in order to bring praise to God. So, if we do this that he tells us to do, live in harmony and accept each other, he says that will bring praise to him. Sweet praise to him. Now, look at Proverbs 20 and verse 6. Let's read this. Many a man claims to have unfailing love, loyalty, but a faithful man, who can find? Now this was God's challenge. He says a whole lot of people will claim that they're what you're going to speak about, Rich. But he said, I'm putting out a challenge. Who can find a faithful man? Who can really find one of these guys out there? Show me one of them. This was God's challenge. He's saying, show me one of them. So let's take a look. What does it mean to be loyal? Well, I think these are on your notes, so I'm just going to read them here. Loyalty. If you look in the dictionary, it says unswerving allegiance or fidelity to a person or a cause. Loyalty is unswerving allegiance, fidelity to a person or cause. How about a loyal person? What would that make a loyal person then? A loyal person is faithful, steadfast, true, dependable, trustworthy, will stick by you even when it's unpopular and tough to do so, and believes the best in you. Now, how many of you would love to have a loyal friend like that? How many would love to have a loyal friend? Yeah? How many of you are willing to be that loyal friend to somebody else? How many of you would say, that sounds more like my dog?
1: Yes, indeed.
0: Those of you who have a dog, you know exactly what I'm saying. Somebody once said, Lord, make me the kind of person my dog thinks I am. Right. <laughs> my dog is so incredibly loyal to me. It's unbelievable. It thinks, thinks the sun rises and sets on me. And I, that's not bragging. That's the truth. You're it. Yeah, I'm it. So I, when I read this, I couldn't help. I thought, well, I'm thinking about sharing this tomorrow, and I'm looking at this yesterday. And I'm thinking, that sounds like Sadie. That sounds like my dog. But we need that in the body of Christ. We need this kind of loyalty in the body of Christ. Let me read to you. uh, Give you four. I'm sorry. Let me give you four characteristics of loyalty. First of all, it is a product of the Holy Spirit. The only way that you and I can love like this is to let the Holy Spirit love through us. And if you don't get this point right here, then we'll fall short. I can make great attempts at this kind of loyal love, but I'll fail miserably. I don't even have the potential to love like this. This is a product of the Holy Spirit. Only He can love through me like this. You know what it says of the Holy Spirit? It says that He has sealed us until the day of redemption. That's pretty heavy duty. He has sealed us until Jesus returns. It says in His Word, I will never leave you or forsake you. How many of you are glad that Jesus said that about you? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Well, can we say that? I will never leave you? See, I can't do that on myself. You must understand this. We have to cry out to God. Holy Spirit, love through me with your kind of love. Because I don't even have this potential to love like this. It's a product of the Holy Spirit. It involves a price. When you're loyal to somebody, you will stick by them, even in the hard times, even when it's unpopular. Some of you know what I mean. You've stuck by somebody when it was unpopular to do it. But some of us also know how it feels when people will flee you when it's unpopular. People you thought were friends will suddenly turn even against you it involves a price it's proven during a crisis you will find out who your true friends are during times of crisis linda and i years ago going through i always call it our the darkest time of our our lives about five-year period of very difficult time we found out who our true friends were it wasn't easy to be a friend of richard and linda curtis during that time It wasn't easy. And we had several that just blew me away with the level of love that they had and sustained us, helped sustain us. They were the hands of Jesus. They were the arms of Jesus. They were the voice of Jesus during that time. You know, if you've been through something like that, you know, you know how important a loyal friend is. Now we know we have Jesus who sticks closer than a brother. He'll always be there. But God wants His body to be like Him. It is proven during a crisis. And here's the biggest problem with loyalty. You know what it is? I want you to do me a favor. Turn to the person next to you and stick your tongue out at them. That right there, not, you know, not sticking your tongue out per se, but it's the tongue. The tongue is one of the greatest hindrances to loyalty. The Bible says it's the most deadly thing in our body. Who can tame the tongue is what James said. Who can tame it? The tongue has caused more damage in the body of Christ probably than anything else. Yeah, the tongue. So I know we had a little fun with that, but that that tongue, it's caused a lot of damage. Maybe your tongue has caused some damage. Why is loyalty so important? Well, right next to that next point, this is what I want you to write before you write down any of the points in there. Write this, loyalty equals unity. Loyalty equals unity. If you have loyalty among the brothers and sisters, you'll have unity in the body of Christ. And we're going to see, when we, when we follow that trail, we're going to see why loyalty is so important. Because loyalty is the root of unity. Unity is a beautiful flower that you see. But look what the Word says about unity, and therefore says about loyalty. The blessing, the blessing of unity... Psalms 133. Go ahead, baby.
1: How good and pleasant it is when brother live together with unity. For there the Lord bestows or commands his
0: blessing. Okay, church, help me out here. Somebody speak back to me here for a moment. If we have unity, what does it say God will do? It says he'll bless us. He says he'll command a blessing wherever he sees unity. He'll command a blessing. When he looks down and he sees unity in a body, God says, I command a blessing. Because, oh, when a church is walking in unity, they are literally answering the prayer of Jesus in John 17 where he said, Father, let them be one, even as we are one. So when there's unity in a body, and you guys know, if you've ever been in a body where there's unity and there's a lot of unity here, it feels good. It feels good to come. But if you've ever been in a place where there's disunity, I'd say you, you can feel it, you can sense it, and it's not fun, and it grieves the Holy Spirit. So just as much as unity and loyalty brings a blessing, disunity brings a curse. Go ahead.
1: Matthew twelve twenty five. Jesus said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand.
0: Now, I know it doesn't say church in there, but how many of you believe this is true for the church too? So if the church is divided, what does it say will happen? It says it won't stand. So if you thought I was being melodramatic earlier when I said this could even say whether or not we're in existence, a church that becomes divided will not stand. Now, get this. Who else heard Jesus say that besides the disciples and the people around Him? Who heard that? I want you to think for a moment. Go ahead, Len. Who? Satan heard that. He heard Jesus speak these words. So the enemy immediately goes, that's it. If I want to stop Jesus, I need to do everything in my power to divide His body. And so I'm telling you, You and I need to be on absolute alert because the enemy knows he heard what Jesus said. Jesus said, if they become divided, they won't stand. And so one of his strategies, and I've watched it down through the years, I've watched it in other churches, I've watched it try to happen in churches where I've pastored, the enemy tries to come in and he tries to divide because he knows if he can divide us, I'll just make it personal to Valley View. He knows if He can divide us, that the prophetic words of Jesus will come to pass. We will not stand. Even if, well, you say, well, we'll still be around. Even if we're around, we'll simply be, I don't know how to say it, just nothing compared to what we could be. A shadow. shadow. Thank you. That's a good word. We'd be a shadow of what we should be. And so I'm, I'm just giving you fair warning now. I think everyone in this room, we ought to always be on alert. Knowing that the enemy's strategy, it's been that strategy, it's been that strategy since we've been here, but long before we were here, it's always been his strategy to destroy this place. He hates Jesus. He hates the followers of Jesus, and he wants to stop what God is doing. And what God is doing in this place is good. It's good. Do we want more of God? You better believe it. Do we think we've arrived? Does anybody in this room think we've arrived? No, I don't think so. I want more of God. But the enemy wants to stop it. Now, I don't want you to become paranoid with this word, but I think we should be alert. He knows his strategy, and I'm telling you, I could give countless examples down through the years where it worked. He managed to come into places where there was great things going. He divided the people, and literally they became a shadow of what God intended for them to become. So I'm telling you one of his strategies. It's one of his strategies that he will try to use. So we know that where there's unity, where there's loyalty, what does God command, church? What does He command? A blessing. Come on, everybody say that way. When when there's unity or loyalty, what does God command? A blessing. Where there's disunity, what happens? There's There's a curse. We fall apart. We fall apart. Linda, go ahead and read that quote, if you would, please. I know you have it on yours. Follow along, if you would.
1: The strength of any community will be directly proportional to the loyalty expressed among its members. Loyalty, as the salt of the covenant, serves as a preservative. Ooh, serves as what? A preservative. Yeah. Even in the worst of circumstances. Without it, a community is doomed for inevitable disintegration.
0: It was a time where I knew who made that quote. I don't remember anymore, and I should have wrote it down at the time. But it was some, some Christian, and probably, probably most of us wouldn't know anyhow, just to give that person credit. But what a powerful quote. What an incredibly powerful quote to underscore what we're sharing. So here's where I want to get into what I call the nuts and bolts, the practicality of this word. Okay, we know... We know loyalty. We know what it is. And and God wants it to be in more than just my dog. He wants it to be in all of us. We know that tongue, our tongues, are often the thing that the enemy will use to divide and conquer. And we know that where there's unity and loyalty, God commands. He doesn't just say, oh, that's sweet. He commands a blessing. He says, there's unity. That's an answer to Jesus' prayer, my son's prayer. I command a blessing upon them we also know where there's disunity that it causes literally the place to stumble fall crumble disintegrate so how can we have loyalty because it's not that easy it really isn't you may i mean these are lofty goals and when we feel when we feel the goosebumps when we feel the holy spirit we just you know, you feel all lovey. You guys know what I'm talking about. You feel in the presence of God. You just feel love. I can love this person forever, and, and but that doesn't always work. So, what are are there anything in the Word that tells us how I can become this loyal friend to you? How you can become a loyal friend to each other? How we can really have a unity that gets God's attention and says, "I command a blessing." I love what I'm seeing there. And there are nuts and bolts, there's practical things that we can do that I call the glue, the glue of loyalty. Any of you ever have that crazy glue? Do you know one of the warnings they tell you? Yeah, don't get it on your skin. And if you do get it on your skin, don't touch that part of your skin with another part of your skin. And we're going to talk about that kind of loyalty, crazy glue loyalty. How can we have it? Let's share some things from the Word. Right? Crazy glue loyalty. A, commit commit to the Lord's example. We're going to share with you several things to commit to. Commit to the Lord's example.
1: Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me?
0: Wow. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Yesterday, Diane was asking us if we got a certain television station. What, was, what were the... SBN. SBN. I said, I don't think so. I'm not familiar with it. I said, what's it stand for? I think it's Swaggered, Sunlight. Sunlight, Sunlight. Broadcasting. And then you said Jimmy Swagert's on there. Mm-hmm. And for some, that's all I need to mention is Jimmy Swagert, And all kinds of feelings get all over the board. And then Diane looked at me and she said isn't God's grace incredible? And if we can't forgive a Jimmy Swaggart then how dare we go before the Lord and ask for forgiveness ourselves? You say, well, yeah, but he was a leader. Okay. He was a leader. Yeah, so what? My words, exactly. No, I understand as a leader, and he stepped aside for a while, and you may agree or disagree for how long he stepped aside, and the whole body of Christ can debate that forever and ever and ever. But the bottom line is, do you believe that God can restore? Do you believe He can forgive? But not just forgive, can He restore? Did He really mean what He said when He said the gifts and callings of God are without repentance? I don't change my mind about those things. In other words, I knew he was going to blow it. When I gave him those gifts, I knew he was going to blow it. And now, now I've tested him. He failed and now I'm showing him incredible covenant love to him that I'll never leave him or forsake him. And now the test has shifted to the body. How will you as a body respond to the Jimmy Swaggerts? I was moved by what I heard. I was moved by what I heard. I was moved because I heard the words of Jesus. I'll never leave you nor forsake you in that. Did you know you said, well, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but. Well, let me yeah, butt you here. All you yeah, butters. Yeah, but yeah, but. Okay, let's yeah, but it for a moment. Hosea. Yes, Lord. I want you to marry this woman. But she's a prostitute, Lord. Exactly. I want you to marry her because I'm about to show Israel the depth of my love. Hosea marries this woman, a prostitute. And sure enough, he no sooner marries her, and what does she do? She becomes unfaithful and goes out and prostitutes herself. So what does God now say? Hosea... Take her back. Buy her back. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Buy her back. Oh, weren't we bought at one time, church? Buy her back. And listen, he was a man no different than you or I. She had hurt him. He had showed love to somebody who was unlovable, and then she turned around and hurt him. He had every reason, Ah, naturally speaking, to be angry, to be unforgiving, naturally speaking. But we're not talking natural here. We're talking about supernatural love. We're talking about a loyalty that I can't do. Only the Holy Spirit can do it through me. Listen, if you don't get that first point, we will fail miserably at this. I don't have this ability. But I do through Him have this ability. Take her back. Because And then I want you to proclaim to Israel. Tell them, that's how I have loved you. That's how I have loved you. Listen, there's not a person in this room who at one point or another has not been taken back by the Lord. Unless there's somebody in here. Maybe maybe this is the first place I've ever been where somebody has received Jesus and you've never sinned since then. Let me see. Is there anyone here? Raise your hand. Let me see. Is there anyone here? After you, and I'm not talking BC before Christ, I'm talking about AC after Christ. Anybody? Anybody? Is there anybody in this room who has a right to pick up the stones and start to throw them? Anybody in the room? Is there anyone here? No. So we want to commit to His example. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Those words are so incredibly powerful. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We want to commit to the body of Christ, not just to the head. Listen, you can't say I love Jesus and not love His body. And I'm sure a lot of us have been there. Lord, I love you. I'm just not so sure about that body part. Because the church hurts. You've been in the church long enough. Protect little Brittany here. No, she needs to hear this. You've been in the church long enough. You know, you know, you know that you can get hurt even in the church. Hello, anybody? Yeah. And we can hurt. To be yeah. fair, not only not only have we been hurt, but we can hurt. Hey, precious Vicky. You don't have to apologize one bit. We were afraid that you went to get those. Here, I'll take those for you. Everybody say, we love you, Vicky. Vicky. Say, everybody in the room that's ever forgotten something, say, I, I, I forgot too. <laughs> you're a perfect example. You walked in right while we're talking about this kind of stuff. Except that if that's the extent of your failure, (laughs) man, man, I got some stories to share with you to make you feel better. Yeah. Not only can we, must we commit to the Lord's example, the head, but we must commit to the body of Christ. Listen, this is very important because in the room. I know you. I know that we love Him. I love to listen to His worship because we're committed to Him. But He wants us to commit to His body because that's the body of Christ. And when we don't commit to the body, we're not committing to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, but the body. No, not yeah, but the body. The body is perfect and holy in Christ. I know... I know we don't always see that. I'm glad he sees it. We tend to see the faults, the failures. And indeed, if you commit to the body of Christ, I promise you, I promise you, it will be tested. Chuck Swindle, I think it was, said that the church were like a bunch of porcupines. He said, we get cold, and so we all run together to cuddle up and get warm. But the moment we get together, we start poking each other, and, and there we go, back out again. And this has been a lot of people's experience with the body of Christ. Come in because they know they need the body, get hurt, and leave the body. Come in because they need the body, and then get hurt and leave the body. Betsy... Every week comes and cleans our facility. A lot of you don't know that, but Betsy comes and, and cleans and works and diligently takes care of our place. And she does a great job. I can always tell BB before Betsy and AB after Betsy. I can always tell. But, I mean, even Betsy would know that if we really wanted to start to scrutinize, of course, people have been here for a while, but if we really wanted to look around We might find something. And if you get a microscope out, who knows what we'd find in our carpets. And yet this is exactly what happens in the body of Christ. From a distance, wow, Oh, look how they love Jesus. Oh, man, you're so cool. Love you, bro. Oh, high fives. And then the closer we get, it's like, oh. And we start to see each other's blemishes, shortcomings, areas where we're not so pretty. And that's the test. That's where the test is. That's it right there. And that's where a lot of people go, I give up. The body's obviously not what they're supposed to be. I give up. And always forgetting about the log in our own. uh, Commit. Commit, not only to Christ, but commit to the body. Oh, this third one. What did we have everybody stick their tongue out? Well, I mean, what did we have everybody stick out a moment ago? Their tongue? (laughs) Their tongue? Vicki, you didn't get to be in on this, so stick your tongue out. I mean, there you go. But it's not just the tongue. Everybody grab your ear and say, oh, my ear. Because while the tongue has caused a lot of damage, the tongue can do no damage if it doesn't have an ear to listen to it. So this third one is commit to not listening to an evil report. And that's not as easy done as it sounds. Commit to not listening to an evil report. Now this is where in the school we would give this a lot more time. We don't have the time here. But I want to highlight a couple things from a Bill Gothard seminar. I think it was called Basic Youth Conflicts or something like that. Credible conference. And this is borrowed from him. He takes the steps of somebody getting sick with a disease, five steps, and he says the same thing happens to people spiritually, but he's using an evil report as the carrier of the disease. Somebody saying something bad about somebody else. That's the carrier Of the disease. And he gives the five stages. Now, I'm going to highlight just a couple things in here. Stage number one is ignorance. Everybody say ignorance, please. Satan will gain an advantage over us if we are ignorant. He will gain an advantage over us if we're ignorant. So that's, that's the purpose of today's teaching, to make us where we're not ignorant of one of his big devices. He uses brothers and sisters to share evil reports. And he's counting on you or I to listen to them. So step number one is ignorance. Look at point. Uh, let me read the thing in the box on each one of these two. I'll let you read the thing in the box, Linda, if you would. Go ahead.
1: Ignorance is not being aware of the destructive power of untrue or
0: distorted words. Now, in each case, each case, I'm just going to highlight a couple points. I ask you not to read this now. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to put it away because it's that interesting. But when you get home sometime, read it, please. Look it over because there's a lot of wealth of information. I'm only going to highlight a couple points. A, ignorance of how words destroy close friendship. People are ignorant of how words can destroy close friendships. D. Ignorance of how evil reports are given. Evil reports are communicated by words, facial expressions, gestures, even tonal patterns. The way you say something. They can be subtle or obvious. Quiet or angry. Sweet, sound sweet or bitter. And because of ignorance, people still listen. We need to be aware of how evil reports come. Two, exposure. Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve: the prudent see danger and they take refuge, but the simple they just keep going and they suffer for it. Exposure is entering into
1: conversation with a person who is a carrier of an evil report.
0: Number three, under A. A carrier will often get you to ask for the evil report. Uh, Did you hear that? A carrier will often get you to what? To ask for the evil report by creating curiosity for it. Here are some starters. Have you heard about? No, I haven't heard. Tell me. Here's another one. Wait till I tell you about. Well, I mean, that heightens my curiosity. Number four, a carrier may communicate an evil report by asking us for counsel or by sharing a concern for the person. I'm so concerned for so-and-so. Really? What are you concerned about? Number five, A carrier may use evil reports to get you to admire him or her because of being on the inside and having access to privileged information. I remember a carrier in one of our churches in Illinois who would actually go around with, I'm on the inside. I've got some inside information. And everybody wants to be on the inside. Oh, you're on the inside. I want to be on the inside with you. Tell me. Well, let me tell you the latest about so-and-so. B, five questions to ask before listening to a carrier. Number one, what is your reason for telling me this? Why are you telling me this? Number two, where did you get your information Refusal to identify the source of information is a sure signal of an evil report. I can't say. It's confidential. Number three. Have you gone to those directly involved? No, of course not. You don't. Not when you're a carrier of an evil report. You don't go to the person involved. You go to everybody else. Spirituality is not measured by how well we expose an offender, but how effectively we restore an offender. Number four, have you checked out all the facts? Even facts, even facts can become distorted when not balanced with other facts or when given with negative motives. And here's a good one. This will almost always stop an evil re- a carrier. Can I quote you on? Oh, no, no, I'm telling you because we're on the inside. No, you can't say this because this is sensitive stuff. Well, then don't tell me. If I can't quote you, if I can't go directly now to the person you just talked about, if I can't go to them directly the way you should have done, and then quote that I heard this from you. Sorry, Roxanne. (laughs) Roxanne's still visiting with us, and here I am picking on poor Roxanne. We knew it. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 don't go there. Mm. Can I quote you on this? Oh no, 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 don't quote me on this. Really. Number three, defilement. defilement. That's the third stage. Ignorance. What was the second one? Exposure. Third one, defilement, proverbs twenty six, twenty two. The words of a talebearer are as wounds. The words of a talebearer are as wounds. They go down deep into the innermost parts of the belly. They do something deep within the listener.
1: Defilement is receiving an evil report from another person and believing that it is
0: true. Number four, infection. After defilement, we become infected. Proverbs fourteen fifteen, a simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thoughts to his steps. Proverbs 17, 14, a wicked man listens to evil lips. Go ahead and read
1: that, hon. Infection is responding to an evil report with human reasoning and, and, and emotion rather than a spiritual
0: understanding and genuine love. Now let me share with you point B there, some symptoms that you've been infected you believe the evil report's true, number one. Number two, you start forming negative opinions based upon the report you just heard. Number three, you start focusing on the negative aspects of that person involved. Even before, before this, you probably didn't. Number four, you're interpreting the person's words and actions as supporting evidence. Number five, you're judging motives on the basis of the evil report. Number six, you're backing away from the person in your spirit. Number seven, you're now infecting others with the same evil report. Now you're running off to tell a few close friends. When we were in Bible college, we had a teacher by the name of Fred Irwin. Fred Irwin taught a class called The Crucifixion of the Self-Life. It was not a popular class. I loved it. I loved it. And I couldn't understand why other people didn't like it. Brother Irwin would crucifixion of the self-life or the old life, my old self. And he would go to, you know, the, the things in the Word of God. He would, he would go to areas where he would talk about specific areas like Paul did in Ephesians. Now take off the former self and then he would go through that list of things Paul would say and it would just like oh nail you. I, I got convicted often in that class. But I remember hearing throughout the year, I didn't know, I was ignorant. I heard evil reports. These are Bible college students. I don't like Fred Irwin. I don't like Brother Fred. I don't like his class. I don't like, I think he's nitpicking everybody. I'm righteous in Christ. What's he talking about? Blah blah blah. And on and on and on. And by the end of that year, I found myself. Having listened to that and allowing it to go into my spirit, my attitude toward Brother Fred Irwin had changed. And I didn't even realize it until leaving the Bible college that I looked back and saw how listening to evil reports affected my whole outlook on a man that I had loved and respected. You see all those horrible, evil report givers. The listener bears just as much responsibility. Just as much responsibility. Let me go on. The last point is you finally have the disease. Proverbs 26, 24 through 25. A malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbors disease. I'm sorry, deceit. Thank you.
1: Disease is being mentally and emotionally controlled by the evil report and by the destructive spirit of the one who gave it to us.
0: Point B, number one and two, developing bitterness or rebellion even though the person involved did not directly offend us. We start looking at them differently because of what we've heard. Number two, setting ourselves up as judge in matters which are God's responsibility and recruiting others to our side now. Oh, Lord, help us. We do not want to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. It has there, and later on, read all of this. It talks about the most important part of the, is at the very end how to cleanse your minds from the evil report. Let me just say this. One. When we were on one of our cruise ships, some of you maybe have heard occasionally there are horror stories on cruise ships. And I'm not talking about the carnival and the whole carnival line and all that's been happening with them. But one of the one of the horror stories that you hope and pray never happens on yours is when there's sickness that is on, on a ship because it's such close quarters, confined quarters. You can have a whole ship, or most of the people on the ship get very, very sick and ruin everything. And so on, on a couple of our cruises, there had been sickness on the, apparently on the one right before us, and they had gone through and sprayed all their dis- disinfectants and washed everything down, and cleaned everything. But they had people literally at the openings of every place you went. They were standing there. It wasn't optional. If you were going to walk in and eat, hold out your hands and rub your hands because those things carry a lot of the infectious diseases. Well, the Holy Spirit wants us to have ready-made. Lindy, by the way, carries one of those in her purse. And we go out to eat. and We're at the restaurant. She'll say, you want some? Yeah. I want some. I want some. I gladly take some. But well, we need the Holy Spirit to cleanse our minds help us to watch out. Sometimes it can be, honestly, just a brother or sister who loves Jesus but is not aware of the damage that they're doing. I don't want to paint a person sharing an evil report as always being somebody who's just out to get somebody. Sometimes they they don't even realize the harm and how the enemy is using them. So we want to be aware of that. All right, let's go back to our glue and let's kind of mark and, and finish this up. We spent a lot of time on that one. We would have spent more if we were in class. Commit to not listening to an evil report. D, commit to, this is heavy duty. A lot of people don't even know this is in the Word. Commit to marking those who cause division. If there's somebody in the, bo- in the body of Christ who literally is, is causing division, the Bible tells us to mark that person and avoid that person. Did you know that was in the Word? Well, that doesn't sound like love to me. It sounds like perseverance to me. Go ahead and read the scripture to this.
1: Romans sixteen, Romans 16 seventeen. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those. Mark those who cause the Keep away from them.
0: Everybody say, keep away from them. I know, but I don't want to offend them. So you'd rather offend God? This is His word, And sometimes a loving thing to do, this doesn't sound loving, this is one of those tough love things, sometimes a loving thing to do is say, well, stop, I don't want to hear that. And I, I, know, it, I know, that's not easy. I, that's hard for me to do because I don't want to hurt that person. I don't want to offend that person. But neither do I want to hear what they have to say. Please stop. I love you, but stop. I don't want to hear this. Please stop. All right. Mark mark those that cause division. Next. Commit yourself to biblical confrontation when needed. Another one that ooh we don't like. Look what the word of God says. Matthew
1: eighteen, fifteen through seventeen. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a
0: pagan. Whoa, that's heavy duty. Who said that, by the way? Who said that? Jesus. Are you sure of that? Are you sure Jesus said that? Are you sure? Yes. Good, because you're right. Jesus said this. What we just read, those are His words. Jesus said that? Yeah, He said if somebody sins, the one offended should go to them first. By themselves. If they don't listen. And oh, you give it a little time. I don't think you even rush this. I'm going to add a little here. I don't think you just automatically rush it. You allow the Holy Spirit some time. But if it doesn't resolve itself, you take a brother or sister with you. If they still refuse and they're sinning against you, then it says you actually pronounce that to the church in tough love. Tough love. Worst case scenario. One where you pray you never have to use. And only one biblical example I know of in the Bible, in Corinthians, where it happened, where they expelled somebody from the body. So you pray it never gets to that point. These are Jesus' words. Jesus' words. Look at this next
1: scripture. Galatians 6. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin... You who are spiritual should restore him
0: gently. I'll just say this about this one. So few in the body of Christ follow the biblical pattern. And even fewer do it in the right spirit. A spirit of restoration. Even when they kicked somebody out in Corinthians. It was so that in the end his soul might be saved. So it's always with the Spirit of restoration. Listen, well, doesn't the Bible call me to judge? And I know the unbelievers will always say, they always quote the one scripture, don't judge, lest you be judged. But then there's other scriptures where Jesus says judge, and judge righteously. But I think it's in the spirit of the Old Testament judges. The Old Testament judges would come along not to condemn Israel, They saw that Israel sinned. They came along as deliverers of Israel. So when we go to confront somebody, it better be in a spirit of restoration. Considering ourselves. Galatians says, consider yourself lest you also fall. Don't put yourself up in pride above that person looking down on them. By the way, you've sinned in our church. In a spirit of meekness, a spirit of love, and a spirit of imploring. God. Commit to forgiveness and forbearance. There will be no unity without these two kissing cousins. They have the same first name, for. Forgive. Forbear. <laughs> Colossians three, twelve and thirteen. <laughs>
1: Funny. Okay. Therefore, it's God's church. Chosen- just read the
0: scriptures, Linda.
1: <laughs> Are you forbearing, brother? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: no. I've just been called down. <laughs>
1: That's cute. Go ahead, sweetie. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you.
0: Forgiving is not easy. It's just not. If you've been hurt, it's not easy to forgive. It's not. I don't care how spiritual we try to make it, it's not easy to forgive. When you've been deeply hurt or deeply wounded by somebody, it's easy to hang on to that grievance. But the one who hangs on to the grievance, my words are, why should you suffer anymore? The longer you hang on to it, the more you suffer. And Jesus said, if you forgive, you become free. And you're offering freedom to the one who offended you. You're not saying it's okay. Forgiving is not telling somebody what you did was okay. It's not. It's just letting them know, I released you from the consequences of that. I forgive you like I've been forgiven. But it's not easy. You guys, some of you in the room have heard me share this story, this illustration, but I don't. it, it so vividly describes what people often do with offenses that over in another country, they feed people monkeys' brains. It's a delicacy you can go into this one restaurant, and I can't remember whether they or the patrons do it, but they take a hammer and they literally pound the monkey to death. But what they do, you say, well, why doesn't the monkey run off? Because the monkey's not chained. They put a colorful stick inside a cage. And the monkey reaches in to grab that stick and keeps trying to get it out, but they make it where he can't get it out. And he refuses to let go of the stick and run off. So instead he just gets pounded to death. And the way I heard that story told is the same way I'm telling you. This is what people do with the hurts and offenses. I'm not letting go of that. They hurt me. Enemy, boom. He's killing us. He's destroying us. He's just eating us alive. But I'm not going to let that go. They hurt me. I have a right to be angry. When all we have to do is let go. But it's not easy to let go. I understand. I understand. It's not easy to let go. But my word to you and my word to me is, why should we have to suffer any longer? Jesus gave us a way to be free of that. And He begins to usher healing into us as we forgive. It's an amazing miracle. You guys were talking about miracles. Keith in particular prayed and thanked God for his miracles. This is one of those incredible miracles that as we forgive, and it doesn't always, sometimes it happens instantly, sometimes it's over a process of time, but as we forgive, we find ourselves being released from the pain, healed from the hurt, and we go on. We move on, and we've released the other person just like we've been forgiven by God. Listen, without forgiveness, this, this whole thing doesn't happen. But not just forgiveness. He said forbearance. To me, there's a difference. Forgiveness is somebody has hurt you, somebody has wronged you. Forbearance is putting up with somebody. Even if they didn't do something wrong. Now this one hits a lot of us. I don't like the way they laugh. It drives me crazy. Everybody say, forbearance. I can't stand the way they sing. Why do they sing? They should not sing. (laughs) Everybody say, Forbearance. forbearance. I don't like the way they worship. Forbearance. I don't like their personality. Forbearance. I don't like the way they say things. Forbearance. Forbearance is putting up with things that are not necessarily sin. And listen, for the preservative of a body, you not only have to have forgiveness, you have to have forbearance. Yeah. And by the way, I'll just say this. I'll just say this. If somebody drives you crazy, and then you run and you go someplace else, guess what? They'll be there too. They will have a different name, and they may look different, but they'll do the same stuff. You know why? Because God says... I'm using them to work in you. Yes. So until you get it right, you can run to five, six, ten different places. Susie will run right after you. There's nobody in here by the name of Susie, right? Yeah? No? Yeah? Everybody say forbearance. Oh, you guys put up with me. Thank you for putting up with me. Here we go. Uh last of all. Let's commit to love. Let's commit to love. This one probably seems the simplest, but it's not always that simple. Commit to love.
1: Colossians 3.14 And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity.
0: We sing a song.
1: I was made for,
0: I was made for, I was made for For love." love. I love that song. I love that phrase. I was made for love. I was made to love God, but I was also made to love His body because you can't separate the two. Jesus refuses to be separated from His church. He loves His church. It's His body. So He says, He can't love me without loving them. And it is what we said earlier. It's like the crazy glue. When we get this kind of love, it's like, I'm, I'm stuck to you, and you're stuck to me. So guess what we have to forgive, we have to forbear, Because we're stuck. Love. I felt very strong direction from the Lord in closing out this, this word. Because this word, like so many words, is one that is really walked out in days and weeks to come. But I felt like the Lord wanted us to affirm what he spoke. And this is literally what I saw. And so I'm going to ask you, if you would, to please do this. Please do it for me. I believe, I believe that I heard from the Lord on this as a way just to affirm the word in our lives. If you would, I'd like for all of you, and the worship team's going to slip up. Go ahead, guys, if you would, come on up and, and kind of get ready to go here. But I'd like for all of you, if you would, to, as we sing this song, it's a song the Lord gave me years ago. And we've sang it here a couple of times before, but I'd like for you to make not a complete circle. Let, let the worship team be, even though we won't be able to take your hand, let the worship team be like the completion of the circle. So let's just, I think there's enough of us. I know a lot of us are gone today, but let's see if we can't make a circle around this room. And take the hand of the person next to you, if you would. And we're going to sing something while you're doing that. And then in just a moment, we're going to receive communion together. Well, let's, let's do this. As we sing, go ahead and sing with us. But please, please, please come. Why don't we do this? Stand, if you would. Let's sing it one time first and then go ahead. Once we sing it one time, go ahead and begin to move out and go, uh, if you would.